This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McCalvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com. And we're having a tough time with this podcast, but Adam, we're going we're gonna to push through it. <laughs> and get this thing done because the people need to know what is going on in Brewers land. And the people need to know that you, my friend, will be in sunshiny Arizona in a week. Yes, one week. And let's hope that my trip down there doesn't have as many technical difficulties (laughs) as you and I spending the last 20 minutes trying to get connected. Uh, Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday. I was at Miller Park this morning. They loaded up the last equipment truck. And Cedar, the third base coach, happened to be there. And I tried to get him to, you know, load up the truck so I could take video of him. But he's got a bum knee, which is, A, a bad way to start camp. And, B, not very helpful. They're trying to get that truck loaded. So, uh, yeah, one week uh, on Tuesday, we're going to do a walkthrough of the new complex. And um, players are already down there. I think maybe we said this last week, Danny, but if you follow a couple of brewers on social media, you know, they're all – adding stuff to their Instagram stories inside the new weight room. And it looks, it looks really nice. I mean, they were crammed into the old place. They needed more space. And the best thing about the new place is it's all one big building where it used to be that the minor league complex was across the parking lot. And then the big league complex was separate. Now everybody's together. So there should be some, you know, actually some, you know, it it should help them from a baseball point of view too, developmental point of view. And that's part of why they made this investment. I mean, and what what great timing as well coming off the season that the team had, you know, yeah. kind of being able to, I don't know, maybe flex their muscles a little bit more. And, and you know, it's kind of cool. You get to show off, um, you know, it's like when you make visits to different colleges and, and all the schools try to show you all the cool stuff they have. And now yeah. are kind of in on that too. I've always found this a weird thing about the off season and free agency, because you always hear about players who, you know, they want to be in Arizona spring training or they want to be in Florida spring training. And it's always a little odd to me because you're talking about six weeks and how would that be a factor in a decision as big as signing a multi-year contract? But it is, it, it's yeah. definitely a factor. I, I mean, there's stories of the Brewers, trying to get players. Roy Halladay is one that comes to my mind. The Brewers tried to make a trade way back when for Roy Halladay. And one of the things that was an impediment to the deal was he had, you know, the family was in, um, in Florida and he wanted to be in Florida. And it's, it is definitely a factor for, for teams as they try to woo free agents. There's just many things on players lists and, and that's one of them. So, you know, look, it's, it's, people maybe are going to be disappointed that they didn't move the entire complex complex someplace, but at least now they will be in a, a state of the art facility, plenty of room to stretch out top notch medical facilities. And, and like I said, everybody under one roof, which I think could be a good thing for some of your minor league guys. They'll be able to see what the major league players do to get where they are and stay where they are. 
I like it. Maybe there'll be a papa shot there too, or something. Some bowling alley lanes, something Ping-pong like that. Ping pong table. Ping pong table. table. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Some some uh, ski ball, football, uh, table hockey, all those good things. Um, I guess we should talk about some actual baseball things um, that that maybe like could help the team and and are important to the team. Adam, rotation, and you wrote about this on Brewers.com. This is out right now, so as you're listening to the podcast, you can go ahead and read along with us. But you wrote about uh, the starting rotation, so I have a lot of questions for you. Um, And you're going to get into player previews um, as spring training moves along. Um, So they're not out yet, but we're going to focus on the rotation. So last week we we played a game, um, and I asked you, um, a bunch of different fun questions about the team, and I asked you um, who who was going to throw the first complete game of the season, and you, you laughed and said that's not going to happen, no complete yeah. game, because the Brewers the Brewers don't work that way, and you know you wrote about how the emphasis is more on depth and not star power. So what I want to know is to start off, um, who you see making up that rotation and where they slot in. Well, look, in this story, it, it, it sort of struck me that it's different now than it used to be. It used to be you could go into spring training and sort of see what the five-man rotation looked like, or at least have four names, and then there's a battle for the fifth starter. Right. Um, that's just not how – and it's not just – it's not unique to the Brewers. It, it's the, the way teams are built now is they're thinking about really eight to ten guys that they're going to count on to make starts. And whether they are uh, part of the five-man group at the, in this case, you know, end of March, which opening day is in late March this year, or whether it's a guy who makes, you know, 15 starts in the middle of the season and fills those innings. I, I don't think that the GMs now put as much emphasis on what time of the year the guys contribute. They just know they're going to need uh, a deep group of arms to cover those innings throughout the course of the year. So it's tricky when you start to do a rotation. So, for example, the story you're talking about, I've got one guy as a lock for the rotation. <laughs> That's right. And this is a team that was eight innings away from going to the World Series last year. Um, it's Jolie Chassin, second year of a two-year deal. He had a, a terrific season last year, made all of his starts. He started game 163, played a big role for them in the postseason, and pitched well in the postseason. Um, he has opening day starter written all over him. And, you know, he is a, a guy that they are definitely going to count on. That's the end of the list of players <laughs> that I can say 100% will make 35 stars. Um, yeah, so you rank everyone as in or in with some caveats. And I really like that. So so he's in. He's, he's in, in for sure. I would say I, exactly, and that's always, you know, and that's part of the reason you need this deep group is that guys are going to get hurt throughout the year. Um, the next group I had, it was in, I think I said we think, really it's I think. In <laughs> I think is uh, Chase Anderson and Zach Davies. Chase Anderson was their opening day starter last year. Zach Davies was held back to start the home opener. It was against the Cubs last year, an important assignment uh, against a team that they knew uh, was going to be there all year long. And those are pitchers that I think in any other year you would say they are definitely in the rotation. I think the problem with saying that this year is that neither of them finished the season really in the rotation. Chase Anderson was removed um, right at the end of the regular season and then left totally off of the postseason 
rosters. He was, you know, he had an okay year, but nothing like the season before. And Zach Davies battled injuries for a lot of the year. They thought it was going to be a minor shoulder injury, turned it to be much longer than he wanted, and then led to a back issue that, that set him way back. So these are guys that I think are going to make starts. They're going to pitch meaningful innings for the Brewers. But I just can't say that, you know, A, when 100% they're going to be there from the start in, in those roles. And I can't say that they are going to have the sort of long, long leash that you can, you can comfortably say they're going to make 33-plus starts. And you also said that 11 different guys made a start for the Brewers last season, over, under uh, on that number for this year. Well, I, I almost want to say over because the list that I came up with um, is seven, eight deep. Um, we named the three. I've got Jimmy Nelson as a guy who's in, you know, rel- as long as he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the three young pitchers who really made big contributions late last year, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. Um, and then you've got a guy, a lefty, Brent Suter, who is coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's not going to be an option until way late in the season, but he has his mindset on being a factor late. Um, there are a couple of other kind of fringy depth type guys that, that are on this list. Like every team has, I have Adrian Hauser on that list, a former top prospect who also had Tommy John and he, he pitched as a starter last year in the minor league and a reliever in the bigs. I think he has a chance to, to fill some kind of role. I, I can't say for sure what it's going to be. Aaron Wilkerson, who's kind of a minor league depth piece, who's been a very solid minor league starter. And if they have some kind of need at some point, you could see him getting a start. And then um, even deeper prospects, starting with Zach Brown, who was their minor league pitcher of the year last season. And he'll try to keep alive a streak that was begun by Brandon Woodruff a couple of years ago, continued last season by Corbin Burns, of a guy who had a big year at AA, was minor league pitcher of the year, and then made his major league debut the next season. Um, So Zach Brown would love to join that list. So, you know, you start to – you're just talking about a – a long list of names of players that have that you could easily see making starts for the team next season. Um, and that is what it takes to get through a year. It's very rare. The team that gets through a season with five starting pitchers the whole year through every team is going right. to need more than that. So look, 11 is a big number, but I'll, I, I, if I'm betting, I'm taking the over. Taking the over on that. Okay. So, so we, we talked about guys who, who can make starts. What about guys who, fill in the rest of the holes in the back end of the bullpen? Well, there I think there's a little more certainty in that they've got the three big boys from last year in uh, Jeffress, Hader, and Knabel. All are back. All are expected to be big parts of that pen. Um, They brought in Alex Claudio from the Rangers as a lefty. They brought in Bobby Wall, a righty. They've got some other guys who are sort of, you know, towards the front end of their career, a pitcher like Taylor Williams comes to my mind a big arm a guy who kind of got a foothold in the big leagues last season so I think there's there's uh, a little more certainty with some of these names but again that the the tough part about figuring it out at, as we sit right here is that last season showed us and again this is not unique to the Milwaukee Brewers that the guys in the rotation can very easily spend some time in the pen if you have a need for a little pen depth if you want some uh, multi-inning arms out there. So Corbin Burns, for example, played a, a really big role for the Brewers in the postseason out of the bullpen. Brandon Woodruff was sort of like 
blending the was he a starter or was he a reliever? He kind of made a that surprise start and played a bigger role, I think, than anticipated going into the postseason in kind of this hybrid role. So I think that that's just the norm for this team and other teams is you have to be much more open-minded about what you think of as pitching roles. Uh, a starter is not exclusively a starter, and a reliever is not exclusively a reliever. Guys have to be ready to move between different roles, and if you embrace it, you can have success doing it. Okay. All right. So there we have it. Um, anything else that we missed when it comes to the starting rotation? Obviously, things will get way more in-depth once spring, um, once spring kind of gets – little more involved but for now you know do you feel like you've you've covered it as good as we can well I think there's two big questions that that as we sit here um we're going to look for answers to number one where's Jimmy Nelson at and this is going to we've talked lots about this this offseason all last year this is a guy who was uh, their clear number one pitcher two seasons ago missed all of last year What's he going to come back at? What's he going to yeah. look like once hitters get in the box? What are those swings going to look like? What's the velocity look like? It's a big part of this season for the Brewers. If they get back a good Jimmy Nelson, that is a big-time pickup um, for a – you know, he did not throw a single pitch last season for the big league, a team that almost made it to the World Series. So it's right. like a big free agent signing right there. The other question is, is there a free agent signing yet to come? And, you know, they, they made the Yasmani Grandal edition a catcher, but, you know, there still are many pitchers out there. Wade Miley has gone off the board now. We've talked about him from time to time this winter. But Gio Gonzalez is a guy that, um, you know, the Brewers picked up last August, and he pitched for them through the end of the year. He remains a free agent, a uh, veteran, would give them a left-hander, which the Brewers right now do not have in their rotation. So that's just one name of many that's out there. There's Dallas Keuchel, if you want to go much bigger than that. Um, There's still so many players out there that are good major league players that are going to find homes. It's just taking a long time again. And I think the Brewers are a team, they have an owner who's been aggressive when opportunity presents itself. So it would not surprise me one bit if there are names that make starts for this Brewers team that don't show up in that story we're talking about because they're not Brewers yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a great point. So still time to potentially acquire somebody who who's going to also slot in and definitely uh, help you on that over that over number. Um, yeah, that's why I'm going. That's why I'm picking that because I want. That's the right. <laughs> you want to be right. <laughs> um, the, the next thing, Adam, that we're going to talk about is testing Kira, and we've we've talked about him a little bit this offseason, and basically everyone just wants to know, when is this guy going to make his debut? Is he going to be in the opening day roster? And, um, you know, you featured him a little bit um, in the past week on Brewers.com because he's obviously, he's the number one guy. So I, yeah. when it comes to him, everyone wants to know um, why he's not debuting at second base on opening day. When is he debuting? And for me, I want to know, um, you know, what does he have to prove in spring training if there's anything left to prove? And kind of, you know, what is, what is this guy's strengths? What's he going to bring to the team? Well, look, the, we did a piece on uh, MLB.com where we picked one player to watch going into camp, one prospect to watch, rather, going into camp. And, you know, I think there was a question about, okay, is this like the most electric prospect that everybody's excited to see? Or is it the prospect with uh, the best opportunity based on how the team is built to make an impact? 
And in the case of Keston here, I think he fits both, where he is based on what he's done so far in his minor league career. And you said, what does he do best? It's definitely swing the bat. What he did in big league camp last year with 31 at bats, he was uh, very eye-opening for Craig Council and his staff against pretty tough major league pitchers. When he happened to come in their Cactus League games, a lot of his at-bats were against legit big league guys. And he put up some pretty impressive numbers and just impressive at-bats. Very, he looked very professional and it's just spring training, but um, still, I think he left an impact on Craig Council and his staff. So I don't think that there's a lot left to prove. If there's anything for Keston here, it's playing the field and staying healthy. Um, when the Brewers drafted him, he was, had an elbow injury, and that's been kind of a question. It's, it's slowed him at times so far in his pro career, but what we hear is so far, or, or at least lately, it's all good in terms of the soundness of that elbow. Um, when's he going to come up is a question that is hard to answer except to say not opening day, and David Stearns has stood by that. Part of that is this guy hasn't had an at-bat above the double-A level. So let's let him do – the progression that players need to do to be ready to come up and play regular season Major League Baseball games. Um, and then part of that is just the reality is that it, uh, these top prospects teams often want to hold back till they pass the, the Super 2 deadline. Um, it's a matter of financial flexibility, um, you know, and, and it's right or wrong is debatable, but it is the reality of the way the current system is that many of these teams will wait on a guy like Keston Hira uh, until late May, early June, and it denies those players the potential for an extra year of arbitration eligibility. So it can be, for the team, it can be a, a cost savings of millions of dollars over the, the course of their coming career. So for the, the, those reasons, I, I don't think we see him, unless there is some very acute need, until, you know, say, end of May, July, or June 1. And he becomes definitely a player there. And there's another guy, Mauricio Dubon, who has a chance to play a role in the middle infield. Um, the Brewers look right now like they are going to roll with the platoon at second base, see how that goes the first couple of weeks of the season, and then start to make decisions after that. But they have two pretty good prospects in here and Dubon. And I would predict that both of those guys get big league at bats this season. Um, the, the when of it is just impossible to say right now. And for those who, you know, they're like, okay, Adam, we get it. Like, he's not coming up on opening day. Give, give us something that, that is going to make it worth it. Why? I mean, obviously he's worth the wait, but why is he worth the wait? Well, I think because you want a player to come up and succeed. And, you know, there are rookies who jump right into Major League Baseball and, and hit and perform. Um, but – I think there are also lots of examples in the history of every team of a a guy rushed to the major leagues and it ends up being to his detriment. Um, You know, and, and and that is in the mind of general managers and farm directors as they make decisions about when players are ready. It is, you know, it's certainly possible for a player to jump from double A to the big leagues and dominate Dontrell Willis. You know, we love watching Dontrell for the Marlins. Um, But again, it is very often in the interest of everybody, including the player himself, to take a patient approach, get the experience they need against the top pitchers, and then come up to Major League Baseball at the right time and have success. So, you know, it's worth waiting because you want the guy to come up and succeed. And I think that's something everybody can agree upon. Um, This is a game that requires patience. 
even with the best players, the best prospects, it, it very often is a game that will just test you a little bit in that for fans, for executives, for the players themselves. And um, not rushing can sometimes be the best thing for players. Okay. All right. Wise words from my friend Adam McAlvey. Um, so you're heading to Arizona. I mean, the second you get there, it's, everything is going to change. This podcast is going to be like the best thing that anyone's ever heard in their lives because <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have so many things in real life to talk about. Yeah, well, that's the, the spring training. It's like you turn on the spigot and it all of a sudden you have <laughs> water blasted in your face uh, because what number is, of spring training is this for you? Nineteen, Danny. Whoa. Yeah, my very first spring training, I was hired on, like, February 12th, and I was in spring training a week later. Uh, I had less idea of what I was doing than I do now, <laughs> and um, I remember just walking into the room and having no plan of what I was going to do. There was, we, we had just hired 30 of us all over the game, and right. um, the first player I ever talked to was Tony Fernandez, who was, How was, that? Um, he, was he was awesome. And and he was, you know, World Series winner with the Blue Jays and a good player. And God knows what I asked him or what the heck I wrote. <laughs> um, but that that is definitely my memory of just walking in there, looking around and just going up to somebody and start working. And here we are, 18 whatever years later. <laughs> is there is there anything that – is it still like kind of first day of school teachers for you? Is there is it still like that excitement? I know how much you love your job. Yeah, I mean, it is because it's the beginning of something. The best part about baseball for me is that it, the way it follows the season. Because we're here in Wisconsin, we've had this weird couple of weeks where we got dumped with two feet of snow, then it was 21 below zero, then now it's 45 degrees and all the snow melted, and everybody's like shell-shocked, and it starts <laughs> to drag. Like February, March, the winter kind of starts to drag. But right. spring training is like, you know, you can feel spring coming. And I think that makes everybody feel good. So I feel like in the cold weather cities, it's almost like it means a little bit more because yeah. you can see the summer coming around the corner. And that's why it's exciting. But look, it's, you know, I would say for us, I don't know how you feel, Danny, because you bounce around all over camps too. To me, it's way more work than the regular season because in the regular season, the games carry you. The, right. You know, every pitch, you know, matters and, the news sort of happens often and you are following along in spring training. You walk in there every morning and it's usually a blank slate. I mean, there's certainly yeah. news in spring training, but on many days you walk in and you're just trying to find something interesting that you think people will enjoy. Yeah. And it's, it's at least twice as much work in spring training, but totally. the payoff is great because the, uh, one of the great things about baseball, I think is, the access that we have and you're able to get to know the personalities of these players. Um, and that's sort of what I see as part of the job in spring training is, you know, there's still some soul left in this game. A lot of it's been, <laughs> you know, for better or worse, drained away. And, and I'm not trying to sound old man, old, old coot or anything. Get off my lawn. But, yeah. I'm not trying to be that way because there's good and bad to that. But spring training is a time, where you can kind of blend both together, and uh, I think that's kind of cool. You never know when you're going to find a good – I got one good Yasmani Grandal story in the works that I, at some point we'll get to talk about, Ooh. and it has nothing to do with pitch framing or analytics or anything like that. What a teaser. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah give me a couple of weeks. For you. Okay, a couple of weeks. Last question for you around spring training. I know that, you know, at Beat Reporters, you guys obviously are there the entire time and away from your families. Do you um, share a house with anybody? How do you decide where you're going to live? Have you lived at the same place for the past 19 years? No, and I used to stay with Michael Urban, who way back when was our A's reporter. Okay. Um, a mentor to the great Jane Lee, who is there now. We used to share condos over in Scottsdale, which is together. On... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> when you get to have dinner. Yeah. You get dinner? Sure no, we get dinner. Me. We never cook dinner, though. We would oh, go. You never? Yeah, we would go find. Well, I mean, now sometimes I do, but then I think if spring training was 45 days, there was like. Two yeah. days where I found the couch, and the other 43, <laughs> we were out running, running around. Fair so, Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I, I stayed downtown solo. Okay. And um, downtown Phoenix has, is like, again, I sound like get off my lawn, but this is a good one. It's like totally different than it was 15 years ago. There's so much to do down there now. And I'm, I, I, it's a great place to stay, and I love it. And I just found a condo that I stay in. So I'm... I'm downtown. I'm a downtown Phoenix guy, we, we're, but we're close enough that we have uh, MLB.com meetups and get-togethers, and we get to see each other throughout the spring. That's the best part about being in Phoenix versus spread out Florida, because right. you can actually get together with colleagues and get some food and see what everybody else is working on. I gotta come out there so I can be a part of the uh, the get-togethers. Um, that's great, and it's really funny that you've been there long enough to know that. Phoenix has changed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good Lord. What has happened to us? Oh, Adam McCalvey, my fave. All right, brewers.com to check in. If you are just coming out from under your winter rock, brewers.com, catch up because it's starting, my friends, and yeah. we'll wait patiently for that Yasmani Grandal feature that you're working on as well. Yeah, there's um, like four or five new things on the site in the last 24 hours, so the pace is definitely picking up. And that's right. That's right. Keep up, folks. Keep up. Um, Adam McCalvey is going to bring us the latest and greatest from spring training um, as these weeks start to shorten and we get closer to the start of the season. My friend, thank you so much for your time. Okay. I'm going to go find Tony Fernandez, see what he's up to. <laughs> With Adam McCalvey, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.